Good morning. Welcome to this assembly. Please have your Bible ready in the book of Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. You are invited back at 5 p.m. I'll be preaching from Titus chapter 2. Please visit our website, lhmacallen.org, and share that with your friends. It is very easy on social media to share a link from our website to your friends, and that can increase traffic to our site, and most important, may create some attention and interest in the gospel message. Now this morning, I'm returning to a series I'm delivering one Sunday morning a month, and I call this, It's What Christians Do, and it's based on the book of Acts. It will take me just a moment to give you a summary of what we've done so far this year in connection with this theme. In January, attention was given to the phrase in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. February, Christians stick together. They help each other and form local groups. In March, how Christians shared with other Christians in time of disaster and need. April, what it means to praise God in your worship and in your life. In May, preaching the gospel. June was about rejoicing in the salvation God provides in Christ. July, Christians are to be full of good works and last month in August, we prayed together for boldness to do the Lord's work. This series is based on this idea. The book of Acts not only tells us what to do to be saved, it tells us what people who were saved did. So, as I read the book of Acts... I learn what I ought to do to become a Christian if I'm not one. Then I learn what I ought to be doing as a Christian. You learn what you need to be doing as a Christian, not just in this building, but at home and in the workplace and anywhere you are in your daily life, you are a Christian. It's what Christians do. That's what we call this series. Now this morning, from Acts chapter 14, let me set this up. Paul and Barnabas are working together to spread the gospel, preaching in Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe in the surrounding areas. And it says in verse 3 of Acts 14, they were speaking boldly for the Lord and bearing witness to the word of his grace. Yet an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews, according to verse 5, to mistreat them. And it reached a point where their intent was to stone them. However, look at verse 7. They continued to preach the gospel. At Lystra, Paul used the power God gave to the apostles to heal a crippled man. The reaction of this miracle reflects confusion 
in a culture absorbed in pagan idolatry. The people said, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Well, of course, this wasn't a manifestation of the gods. It was a manifestation of the God working through an apostle of Christ. Paul and Barnabas reacted, rushing into the crowd to correct their confusion, telling them it's about the living God. And verse 18 says, Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. And that brings us now to verse 19 of Acts chapter 14. I'm going to read from 19 down through 23, and we'll discover our topic. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. There came a time when Paul had to speak plainly to the disciples and to new converts with these words, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. I want to talk to you a moment about that word tribulation. It is tribulation in the English Standard Version. If you have the New International Version, the word is hardships. The Greek word simply means pressure. In this passage, as Paul and Silas delivered gospel truth, they encountered confused and hostile response. In Lystra, they encountered literal rocks. Stones were being hurled at them. The general word that includes this kind of trouble is tribulation, hardship, under pressure. Here's the theme of our study this morning. Christians who are well-grounded fully committed, active, and zealous are able to endure hardships dealing with tribulation without being weakened or defeated by it. Let me repeat that. Christians who are well-grounded, fully committed, active, and zealous are able to endure hardship dealing with tribulation without being weakened or defeated by it. Paul and Barnabas are examples in Acts 14 in this encounter. As the chapter begins, there's opposition to their work already. 
Back in verse 5, an effort was underway to mistreat them and to stone them. They're under pressure already. Yet, verse 7 says, they continued to preach the gospel. They were not silenced even by rocks. They were not intimidated. They didn't stop preaching the gospel. <clears throat> they continued to preach the gospel, and they were illustrating what they said to Christians. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Christians who are well-grounded, fully committed, active and zealous, are able to endure hardship dealing with tribulation without being weakened or defeated by it. It's what Christians do. We expect hardship. We know we will be tempted. We believe there could be unexpected setbacks. The world doesn't show us any favor, so we are under pressure. But we take comfort in the final outcome the Lord has promised and that we are doing now what He's charged us to do. We are delivering the message through words and through living even if we endure tribulation because we understand it's what Christians do. Now, here's a naive notion that we need to back away from. Reading an account like this in the New Testament here in the book of Acts, the naive notion that can deceive us is, well, that was in ancient times. The days of the Roman Empire. Backward, ignorant, pagan people in those little villages. Iconium, Lystra, Derby. That's a long time ago. Ignorant people. This is America and it's 2019. We are an enlightened people. This is a place where we enjoy freedom and peace and there is maturity throughout the society. Nobody's going to throw rocks at us because we're preaching the gospel. We have freedom of religion. We have the Bill of Rights. This is a naive notion that can deceive us and lead us into a false sense of security about our society and about earthly reality. I'm going to maintain rocks are being thrown at Christians today, just not the same kind as the rocks that were hurled in Lystra and Derby. And within the broader scope of this word tribulation or pressure, there are trials and temptations that may not be classified as persecution, but they may challenge our ability and strength to endure. I want us to think of the various kinds of pressure brought against us from whatever source, of whatever kind. Pressure to give up, to quit, to walk away, to shut up, to avoid the rocks. And, and think of this, please. What if Paul and Barnabas, what if Paul and the other men who worked with him had said to each other, Wow, brethren, if being a Christian and preaching the gospel means we're going to be at the receiving end of rocks, let's forget it and go home. Well, first of all, 
God would not have been pleased by that attitude. Second, think of all the people who would not have heard the gospel. Third, think of all the new Christians who would not have been nourished, but who would have been discouraged and weakened by that. Christians who are well grounded and fully committed and active and zealous are able to endure hardship dealing with temptation without being weakened or defeated by it. It's what Christians do. Not just those who were spreading the gospel 2,000 years ago, today. We keep on. There are sources of tribulation, but those who are disciplined and committed and zealous endure, and we don't shut up and we don't give up. I want us to consider three modern sources of tribulation. This is not an exhaustive list of every possible hardship. Just three examples. I'll call these modern sources of tribulation. Occasions where we are under pressure. Number one, friends who criticize and discourage you because of the activity of your faith. It may not be rocks, but it may be insults. In 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 4, the Apostle Peter says that when we live right for the will of God, there are people who know us and who react by maligning us. Because we don't join with them in their excesses. I suspect it's happened to most of you. You conduct yourself as a child of God out in the workplace in the neighborhood. You live for the will of God, but there are people who heap criticism on you like rocks because you don't join with them in their excesses. Here's the verse. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. That's pressure. In the office workplace, in the school setting, in factory sales staff, the shop, or out on the job, or in the neighborhood, there are people who know you and cannot understand why you don't go out for drinks every day. Or just once. Why you don't join them for events or parties where immoral conduct is celebrated. In fact, right here in 1 Peter chapter 4, the Apostle Peter mentions in verse 3, drinking parties. And the implication is that Christians say no. Even if it brings upon us more pressure, more attacks of criticism, tribulation, or avoidance, refusing to participate in sin is by definition what we do. Here's 1 Peter 4, 1 to 5. Listen for it. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, 
living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Now the rocks may not be literal. They may be verbal. Intimidation, isolation, or distance, but it's pressure. We know to expect this kind of difficulty if we're going to live by the will of God. But we will not be defeated by it. Number two, modern society's opposition to the biblical world view. Would you listen, please, to John 15, 18, and 19? John 15, 18, and 19, the Lord said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I don't think I need to convince you that through the news and entertainment media, we who want to follow the Bible are not represented with any fairness or favor. For example, what does the news media put the spotlight on? Whatever they can find or make up that paints a negative, ugly picture of religion in general and Christianity in particular. You've seen it. In repeated instances, to portray us in movies or in news media as backward, ignorant, hateful people because of what we believe and teach and practice. If a local church dies or is torn apart by scandal, front page. A local church that thrives, stays alive and grows in the faith, no mention. Of course, we don't ask the media to cover us. But I'm speaking of trends that demonstrate prejudice against people who claim the Bible as their guide. There's so much evidence of these rocks. When the vice president spoke of his faith that Jesus is the Son of God, one TV host said he was showing signs of mental illness. When a man was appointed to a sub-cabinet level position and was in the confirmation process, he said to someone that his future was in the hands of God, causing another media commentator to say he was therefore unworthy of public office. People who speak openly of their belief in Scripture are often trashed, marginalized, or accused of just being crazy or hateful 
When we say what we believe about wrong conduct, it is often reported not as belief, but as hate. When we say what we believe about wrong conduct that the Bible teaches, it's not reported as belief, it is reported as hate. But we now expect it, and we endure it by faith, believing God is pleased when we speak His word. It's what Christians do. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. We're going to talk about a wider variety of trials at this point. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, this is a more general category. Persecution, temptation, opposition, and here James describes trials of various kinds that come upon us that we never expected. Inside those episodes of tragedy, the devil puts temptation every time. Inside those episodes of unexpected tragedy or trial, the devil puts temptation to just give up or to quit. But do you remember? Christians who are well grounded, fully committed, active and zealous are able to endure hardship, deal with tribulation without being weakened or defeated by it even though it's hard. We count it all joy when we fall into various trials knowing the discipline outcome of steadfastness. It's what Christians do. Three points of action for my wrap-up this morning. Number one, pray. One of our stated goals this year here at Laurel Heights is to pray more and pray with greater reverence and thought. Last month, in this series about what Christians do, we considered from Acts chapter 4 how those early Christians prayed for more boldness. We need to ask God for strength for future tribulations that we can't even see now. And then do everything God has said we ought to do to be strong before those tribulations arrive. Obedient, zealous for good works. I hear our brothers here in their public prayers facing the reality of persecution, asking God for His providential oversight. Face tribulation with prayer even before tribulation arrives that you could not imagine. It's what Christians do. And then prepare. And I'm going to talk about one part of this that ties into the last two Sunday morning sermons. Prepare your children. I've recently delivered two sermons on the subject of parenting and family life. Last week, quoting Joshua, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents need to accept the challenge 
of equipping their children to defend the faith and keep the faith and spread the faith. Now, don't tell them it's so bad that they're already defeated. Encourage them, speak to them of how victorious they can be through the development now and the activity of their faith. Let them know the devil will not win in the end. He can be resisted and it's through the activity of faith in Christ. Convey to your children the threat without sounding overly alarmed and defeated. I realize that's a challenge. To prepare the next generation for the battles they will face. And then persist. I need to do all I can. You need to do all you can. We need to do more to spread the gospel with all boldness. Do you know there are preachers in Canada right now breaking the law? By reading and teaching what the Bible says about marriage and sexual purity. Though in many localities it isn't enforced, there's a movement against it. It may come south may be here already to some extent. Pray for those who are under extreme pressure now that they persist and then may we persist. And may we learn from those who boldly preach against pressure even when the government tells them to shut up that we need to do the same thing. We need to do so much more than we're doing to spread the Word of God. We need to do so much more. If we get into the habit of just settling into a quiet, careful diplomacy that leads us into silence, we failed. Paul said what we ought to do, and Paul did what we ought to do. Paul said and did this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's what Christians do. We must not let tribulation in whatever form it may come shut us up. Even if the rocks someday become boulders. Jesus said in John 16:33, "In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world." If you think you've already been hit and defeated, listen please to Psalms 40, 1 and 2. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. It's what Christians do. Let's be standing while we sing.